Welcome to the Mosh Zone, episode 25, week 25, volume 25, number fucking 25. How are you this week, guys? How are you doing? Thank you for coming in and tuning in to the Mosh Zone. We've got all the Mosh news, we've got Mosh reviews, and this week's Mosh interview is with Jason of English Slam Kings Ingested. All of that is coming up in the show. So let's kick things off with the Mosh news. We had a new music video released by Clutch this week, and it's for their song How to Shake Hands, and it's off their upcoming album Book of Bad Decisions, which is released in September. Now this song is Clutch doing what they do well. It's very stonerish, very bluesy, very enjoyable. But the best thing about this is the actual music video. Highly entertaining, very engrossing. And it's really exciting to see a band put some thought into their music video. It's not a standard, you know, in a warehouse or on a beach or on a clifftop. All of those cliches have been put aside. It's very entertaining. So that song, as I said, is called How to Shake Hands, and it is from their upcoming album, Book of Bad Decisions. We also got this week a new music video by Bleeding Through, and it's a live performance music video for their song, No Friends, which, of course, that track comes from their recent comeback album called Love Will Kill All. Really good song. It is a very strong song, one of the best on that album and really good to see the band back in a live setting apparently that music video was shot over their last few shows their comeback shows if you will so that song is no friends it is by bleeding through and if you haven't heard that album love will kill all stop what you're doing get into it municipal waste released a music video this week they released their song slime and punishment which is the title track of their recent album released through Nuclear Blast. Now, this music video, as we said with Clutch, that was entertaining. This one is certainly entertaining as well. It's a very old-school, B-grade horror movie vibe, and if you're a fan of Municipal Waste, you'll definitely enjoy this song. I think Municipal Waste not only just in Australia, but kind of in certain sections of the metal community, aren't actually properly respected. They're one of the best thrash bands going around, one of the best crossover bands going around. While a lot of people are frothing over Power Trip, I think they forget bands like Municipal Waste and Iron Reagan. Really good song. And that album, Slime and Punishment, is One of the best releases of last year. Such a sick fucking album. So that song is Slime and Punishment and is off the album by the same name, which is already out, and you need to get into it if you haven't already. Immortal released a new song this week from their upcoming album called Northern Chaos Gods. That album is out now, and we will be reviewing it later in the show. And it is out through Nuclear Blast Records. The song is called Mighty Raven Dark. And it is one of the longest songs Immortal have ever released. This is black metal. It is really well done. There's a lot of energy going on here. And it's definitely a re-energized Immortal you're hearing on this song. So as we said, new song by Immortal. It's called Mighty Raven Dark. It is off their new album called Northern Chaos Gods. Make sure you scope that out if you're into the darker of the heavy arts. 
We also this week got a new track from Unearth. The song was released is called Incinerate, and they announced that the album coming out on Century Media will be called Extinctions. So this song and this album has been co-written by DL of the Acacia Strain and Legend fame, and you can definitely hear his touch all over this song. It's jarring to think that this is Unearth in 2018, but... I think they are going down a new path, and you can definitely tell that. The only negative or questionable thing is the vocals. The vocals don't feel as good as they always have, so we'll be interested to see how this album turns out. We don't know any other information about the album except the name, and as we said, the name of the album is Extinctions, and the song they have released, as I said, is Incinerate. Aussie band Daybreak released an absolutely ferocious new music video this week for their track Acid Green. Now, Daybreak are from Perth and very young band, but a very promising band. They've been popping up on a lot of shows in Perth and around Australia with bands like Alpha Wolf and Polaris. And this song apparently is a sign of a new chapter and a new direction for the band. Being honest, I wasn't massive into their previous stuff because it very much felt very samey, very deathcore, just beatdown, breakdowns, just repetitive stuff. This new song, Acid Green, has incorporated some interestingly well-done cleans and they feel very much on the deftone side of things. Really well done. I think Acid Green will send Daybreak up to another level And hopefully we get an EP or an album soon. Um, So I'm going to say one of my tips for this year, if you haven't heard of them yet, is not only Alpha Wolf, not only Advocates, but now we're going to throw Daybreak into the ranks. Really exciting music video, really good song. And that song, as I said, is called Acid Green. Final bit of mosh news this week was the chaos going on in the Lorna Shore camp has been finalised. So, as you might have remembered a couple of weeks ago, Lorna Shaw lost their vocalist to Chelsea Grin. Now, Lorna Shaw were not really saying anything about what was going to happen. They went kind of quiet, but they did say they weren't going to finish. They've now announced the new vocalist is the ex-Signs of the Swarm vocalist. So, Looks like in this deathcore scene, we're getting quite a bit of chop and changes going on here. So, Lorna Shaw vocalist is now Chelsea Grin vocalist. Signs of the Swarm vocalist is now Lorna Shaw vocalist. He's still with me. So, everything's going on here. So, they also, with that announcement, dropped a snippet of a new music video. And holy fuck, this new kid can fucking scream. If you know Signs of the Swarm, you know that the vocalist CJ can deliver some stellar stuff. And he's doing it clearly now under the Lorna Shaw bracket. I think the interesting thing is here, I think Chelsea Grin thought they were going to rise and move on in a better way. I think Lorna Shaw are going in the better way. I think Chelsea Grin are going to die off. I think Lorna Shaw will rise above. So that's it. For the Mosh News, we're all done for this week. Now, if you want to check out any of those songs, any of those music videos, any of the artwork for albums, any tour information that's been announced recently, make sure you're jumping on our website or our social medias. 
Of course, our website is www.themoshzone.com. Our social medias are at The Mosh Zone. And make sure you're visiting them regularly and liking and following them because we keep you updated when we get updated. So it's now time for Mosh Reviews. First album up for review this week is the new album by Immortal, titled Northern Chaos Gods, out now on Nuclear Blast Records. So first things first, if you don't know who Immortal are, they are, of course, Norwegian black metal veterans. Now, last time we had an Immortal album was in 2009, and it was titled All Shall Fall. But a lot of things have happened in that period. Around 2014, there was a big legal battle that went all over with this band. Frontman Abath had to leave and basically has left the other guys in the band. So he went his own way. He's done solo albums. He's doing his own thing. And that leaves Immortal now to finally return and back to the spotlight with this album Northern Chaos Gods. So, as I said, this is their first album since 2009. It is almost a decade. Being one of the biggest bands in modern black metal, and definitely one of the most important bands, it's always interesting when you go into an album like this, and an album of this style, because being honest, black metal is not something I dabble in that often. I've only listened to more of it ever since I've been doing this show. You know from the offset that Immortal are definitely trying to make a statement of intent and throughout the entire album it is obvious. This band definitely don't want to feel like their past is what they're going to be known for. They're definitely trying to forge a new path with this current lineup. I was quite surprised throughout that this album feels very important in their discography. You feel like this is such an important album. And it comes across really, really well. I was really quite blown away at how strong these songs are. At times, black metal does seem to just feel a bit too much for me at times. But for a black metal fan, this will be amazing. And I was honest when I was listening to it, just remembering, okay, this isn't quite your style, but this is really well done. For a black metal album, this has to be, without a doubt, one of the best I've heard in a long time. They've put all their legal issues aside and instead of releasing a mediocre album, they have instead released one of the top tier extreme black metal releases. I think another important thing is they haven't disappointed. There is a cold, crisp production that is almost near perfect. It is utterly ferocious, blizzard of brutality, and they seem to harness some really good songwriting here and really good musicianship, and the lyrics are exactly what you expect and very well delivered. The new vocalist has stepped up to the role seamlessly, and the band have released some of their best music probably of their entire career, as I said. It's an album that without a doubt you have to be a black metal fan for, but If you are a black metal fan, this will probably be your favorite release of the year. If you're an Immortal fan, you're going to love this album. So the album I am talking about is Northern Chaos Gods. It is by Immortal. It is out now on Nuclear Blast Records. And I do give it an 8 out of 10. 
Next album up for review is the new album by Blind Justice called No Matter the Cost, out now on Flat Spot Records. Blind Justice play traditional hardcore. We're talking about Madball style, Sick of It All, H2O, these kind of bands. But while Blind Justice definitely are influenced by those bands, they have made this style feel fresh and definitely their own. This album is only 10 tracks. Only one song exceeds the three minute mark and literally it hits three minutes on the dot. Every song is around one and a half minutes to two minutes long. So what you know with Blind Justice is they know how to write a tune. They know how to get everything over and into your ears and then leave you with it there. Now Blind Justice, as I said, are traditional hardcore and it's refreshing to hear a band still appreciate where this style came from. There is so much groove in this band that is unbelievable. There is two-step ruthlessness going on continually. The breakdowns feel huge and big and ready for a pit. The guitars snap and crunch, and the vocals bark with energy but are still pissed off. At times, the vocals feel like a madball take mixed with Stray from the Path. This is a band with so much excitement, so much fun, so much energy, and they're young and in the game. This album slid across my desk by chance, and I'm so glad I got a chance to listen to it. I've already ordered the vinyl. I've already got myself a t-shirt on the way. This is so exciting in the hardcore scene to see Blind Justice going at it. Now, they've got some other releases under their belt, so they've definitely honed things when they went in. Now, if you like your hardcore and you feel like it's not as cool as it used to be, you feel like it's a bit too modern, get into Blind Justice. They do the old school justice. Really, really, really strong album. I can't really find any negatives. If I have to say a negative is that if you only got 10 songs and they're all really quick, I would have loved a few more. That is the only gripe I have. The production's really nice. Everything about this is really well delivered. I think Blind Justice need to be backed now. I'd love to see them touring with some Mad Balls, some Sick of It All, some Terror, some Wisdom in Chains, these kind of bands. I think Blind Justice can really do big things. As I said, it's for fans of hardcore. It's for fans of hardcore punk. It's a really, really good album. It is one of the best I've heard this year of this old school style. It's so good that it surpasses Madball's recent album, and that's saying quite a lot. The album I am talking about is No Matter the Cost. It is by Blind Justice. It is out now on Flat Spot Records, and we do give it a 9.5 out of 10. Last album up for review this week is the new album by Devil Driver called Outlaws to the End Volume 1, out now on Napalm Records. So this album is Devil Driver's country music gone metal album. Now when you come into a covers album, there's always a little bit of hesitance, there's always a little bit of worry, and your expectations, you're not really sure what they will be. This was really, really enjoyable. I think the thing with Devil Driver is they've always been one of the best and most outstanding bands in the heavy game. They always know how to really have a flair and a groove and attitude to them. 
And what they've done is they've translated that across into country music songs. You definitely don't need to know the originals to enjoy this album. Some of these songs you might recognize, but even if you don't, you're going to like these songs. It was so enjoyable. The other big thing about this album is the amount of guest appearances are amazing. There's Wednesday 13, there's Burton of Fear Factory, there's Brock of 36 Crazy Fists, there is Randy of Lamb of God, and all of them really shine in their own ways. And when you hear them singing alongside Des, it really works really well. It's an album that I think will stand the test of time, and I think the more you listen to it, the more you're going to get out of it. I think there will be a lot of skeptics that will go in with very negative expectations saying no one should do country music in a metal way. But I think if you put aside your expectations or any negative thoughts before you start, you will get into this album and you will enjoy this album. As I said, it's country music done with that California groove metal feeling. So enjoyable. And you can tell the band have really enjoyed themselves while doing it. They haven't half-assed this. They haven't phoned this in. They've really given it a great go. And it shows in the finished product. There is talk that this won't be just the only one. There will be a volume two. And I can't wait to hear that too. This album will definitely appease Devil Driver fans I think it will also appease country music fans, to be honest, but I don't know if many country music fans would even know who Devil Driver are. I think they will after this is released. If you enjoy anything of Devil Drivers, give this a go. I really, really recommend it. If you enjoy country music, give it a go. If you enjoy metal groove, if you enjoy really good tunes, give this a go. I can't recommend this enough. It really blew me away how well done and how awesome this is. What I am talking about is Outlaws Till the End Volume 1. It is by Devil Driver. It is out now on Napalm Records and we do give it a 9 out of 10. So that's it for Mosh Reviews. We're all done for this week. In the bag, locked and loaded, finished. So, do you agree or disagree with our reviews? Get in touch, let us know. Is there something coming out we might have missed? Let us know. Are you in a band and you've got an EP or an album coming out and you'd like it reviewed? Get in touch, let us know. Of course, if you want to get in touch, you can get in touch through email, which is themoshzone at gmail.com. You can get in touch through the website, which is www.themoshzone.com or you can get in touch through our social medias which are all at The Mosh Zone and we're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. So, it's that time of the week. It is time for our Mosh interview. This week I got the opportunity to sit down and have a great chat with Jason of Manchester's very own Slam Kings Ingested. And i got to say, thank you, Jason. What a fucking chat. What a sick time I had with this. Had a lot of fun, a lot of laughs. Great chat. Great opportunity to get to know all about Jason, about his upbringing in Manchester, about the starts of the band, about the progress of the band over the years, and all stuff in between. 
Thank you, Jason. Really good chat. Really good dude. And I'm going to say it now. We're now really good friends. Like, you can probably tell through this chat, we became really good friends. So, I'm just putting it out there, Jason. We're now best buds. So, anyway, enough on that. The chat with Jason is coming up now. I always start off with kind of hopefully an easy one. Do you remember what age you were or, you know, where you were in life when you first discovered that there was this thing called music? Yeah, I do actually. Um, I think I must have been. Well, well, actually, go like I can. I can go back even further. Actually, um, I remember the first first record that I ever had, Ooh. and uh, yeah, it was a it was a vinyl that my dad gave me, and it was a vinyl of uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Ooh. That was like literally the first first music first like music I ever remember like really being into. And I don't know, man. I must have been about. I was. I, I must have been. Must have been less than ten. Shit. Must have been less than ten years old. I like, definitely because I remember and I and I loved that record. Like because my dad used my dad used to have hundreds and hundreds of vinyls. Like my my dad's old school with his music. Like he, like he, even now he won't even he won't even listen to stuff that's like after nineteen ninety. Basically, like you just listen to any, like anything that's from 1980 to 1990. That's literally the decade that he just stays in. But he used to like, he used to have hundreds and hundreds of vinyls. And um, I really liked the Michael Jackson one. So he let me have it because I think he had like a couple of copies of it. So he let me have that one. So I used to play that on his record player all the time. But the fir- I remember the first time I ever got into metal, like the first time I ever listened to metal, um, it was, I might have been about, so it was like the last year of primary school. So I must have been about 11, I think. Mm. And um, I used to hang around at my mate David's house. And um, his older brother was, he was a few years older than us, but he was like, he used to play, well, he still plays drums in, in metal bands now, his older brother, Andy. And um, we were playing in David's room. And I remember hearing this, like, amazing noise coming from Andy's Andy's bedroom and it was Fear Factory Ooh, and he nice. was playing Fear Factory CDs in his bedroom so I like I was like what is that like so I knocked on his bedroom and I was like what's this what are you listening to I'd never heard anything like it and um, he was like oh it's Fear Factory it's Fear Factory come in come in like and then he was like playing loads loads of Fear Factory CDs to me I remember he lent me the CD as well to take home so I took it home and uh, I got I got uh, my mum to tape it onto like a cassette tape because this is how long ago it was. I didn't have like a computer or anything where I could like rip CDs or anything like that or MP3s. So I had a what was it? It was a D Manufacture, classic Fear Factory D Manufacture album on a cassette, Ooh. and I used to just blast that. But that that was the first time I ever really, really, really like heard metal, and then from then on. Just can't get enough of it. <laughs> For 20 years, I've just been eating it like Skittles. <laughs> so, I mean, obviously, if your dad played a lot of music in the household, was was music seen as kind of, it was an acceptable kind of career path, if you were to take it? Like, was he kind of like, um, this is something you can do? Um, well, no, nah, I mean, like, my, dad, my dad's like, 
he's he's got both his feet so firmly set in the real world mm. like he just lives relentlessly in the real world so like i was obviously like i want to like when i was about i think it was about 15 when i decided that i wanted to be in bands and i, I started started on playing guitar uh, that lasted about a year and then i got <laughs> bored <laughs> and then i was like no i want to play drums so then so then they bought me a drum kit and then i was playing drums for a while actually i was never any good though i was rubbish <laughs> well then uh, then i started doing like death metal vocals when i when i joined the band when i joined the band that i'm in now and um i was always saying to my dad like this is what i want to do this is what i want to do and my dad's like like i said only listens to his like 80s music stuff like duran duran and stuff like that and joy division new order that kind of stuff <laughs> so when i'm playing him my stuff i'm going this is what i want to do as a, as a job like this is what i want he's like what did he say I remember, oh, that was it, right? He said, the first time he heard it, he said, it sounds like an elephant raping a lion. <laughs> and I was like... Okay. But I was like, well, at the time, I was like, I was into like, I was into like devourment and like cannibal cults and stuff and dying fetus. I was like, oh, that's a compliment, that dad, thanks. Like, yeah, he was geez. like, nah, man, I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, but I mean, like, he's proud and everything. Like, he always asks me about it and, you know, he's interested in, like, me telling him stories, but he'll never listen to it. He's got all of our CDs because I always give him, like, a copy of the CD just so he's got one. And um, well, he's least, never listened to any of them. At least, <laughs> at least he's got some music that's past 1990 then, at least. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the only thing that he's got. <laughs> now... You grew up in Manchester, is that correct? And you live in Manchester? Yeah, still there now. So, I mean, did you classify yourself as a metalhead growing up in Manchester? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in school, that? we used to get a lot of shit for it. Oh, like, really? Uh, they called us moshers. Like, moshers. Like, so, obviously, you know, you'd wear all your band T-shirts and baggy jeans and spiked hair and all that kind of shit. And, um... Yeah, we used to get we used to get like bullied harsh in school, in high school at least. Anyway, um, from like all the what we'd call scallies, which are like chavs, you know, like mm, where all the, yeah. you know, like the ones that like hang around in little gangs on the corners, like breaking glass bottles and doing stupid shit like that. Like so, they like they just bully us relentlessly in school. So we like we were like the outcasts, really. Mm. So yeah, I mean, it was pretty. Yeah, you got persecuted for liking rock and metal music in art in art schools. I don't know what it's like over in Australia, but yeah, we used to get like used to get shit beat out of us, like fighting all the time and stuff like that. It was madness. Yeah, madness now when I look back on it because it's so acceptable now. Do you know what I mean? Well, from what I from what I gather, I mean, I'm not in school now, obviously, but so no. I don't know what it's like. Well, but, I I, yeah. I had the same kind of upbringing, but um, I used to get it on casual clothes day. Because we used to have to wear uniforms, and Casual Clothes Day was the one day I could wear my favourite Pantera shirt. Um, yes, I used, to, I used to just cop all the abuse because of that. And yeah, it's weird. It's weird growing up. How it's, it's not shit, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's like it's so weird. I just find it like it's just odd that you. But I suppose that's what when kids are kids, aren't they? I mean, even when you're like in your early teens, you're still kids, aren't you? Like mm. you just, I guess they fear what they don't understand. Because yeah. it is like it's not just music; it's a culture, it's a it's a lifestyle. Do you know what I mean? It's 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 everything. It changes everything. Well, it did for me. It like metal music absolutely changed my life. Like it totally did. And I and I and I feel like everybody who's every metalhead that I ever meet, everybody who's into that kind of music, they always 
they always kind of say the same thing like it it changes your life do you know what i mean for now, the better it, as well i think was it the community side of things that kind of brought you in and kept you into metal because there is also those kids that i know um i've met some along my years that they get into it for a while and then they kind of leave but was it the community and kind of welcoming side of it that kept you in metal yeah absolutely i mean i think it was a I think partly as well it's because because of the because of the shit that you get you know for dressing the way you dress or listening to the music you listen to because of that shit it makes you a more tight knit community and it do you know what I mean it you the bond becomes stronger because you've put up with all that adversity yeah together I, exactly you know what I mean you've all you've all experienced the same shit so that's why like the metal community is so welcoming to people. Like they they do like everybody's in it together. Do you know what I mean? So what's it like in Manchester now? Is metal more prevalent? You know, do you see a lot more metal heads around? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's it's it's, it's huge now, isn't it? Metal. It's it's become it's become um, it's not got so much of a stigma around it. I don't I don't think. No. Um, it's one of the like I think when was it? I think I. Read something on Spotify, it might have been like last year or maybe the year before or something. And uh, metal's like metal and rock is like one of the most widely listened to like musical genres in the world, even though it's not on like, um, even though it's not in the charts and stuff. It's yeah, like, it yeah, it's a worldwide thing. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, it's not like pop and shit. There's no, there's no culture with pop. There's nothing else to drag you in apart from the music itself, I suppose. So you're and in all your the celebrity that goes to that shit. So you're saying you're in your teenage years and you've you've tried guitar, you've you've tried to bash yeah. the drum skins with no success. So <laughs> how old were you when you went? You know what? I want to be the dude with the mic. Yeah, that's what I well, want to go. Well, I was um, I was in college, so yeah, I was seventeen. I was 17 and I was in college and at the time I was playing drums and I was just playing drums for like, uh, I think it was like a, like a cover band, but they, they all wanted to play like Nirvana and Queens of the Stone Age and stuff like that. Whereas I was listening to like At The Gates and Lamb of God and Slayer and Pantera and Killswitch Engage and stuff. And all I wanted to do was play like really fast double bass and thrash beats and all that kind of stuff. So, like, they'd be playing, like, uh, they'd be playing, like, Smells Like Teen Spirits uh, by Nirvana. And then I'd just be putting, like, double bass over the bottom of it, like, just hammering the kick drums. So, like, yeah, that didn't really work out. But then, um, so I was still playing drums at this point. And then my friend who was in it, my friend Gary, um, he was he was a drummer as well. He was in the same, I think he was in the same art class as me. And um Basically, he was turning around to me and he said, like, uh, oh, like, I'm looking for a vocalist for, like, my my band. We play, like, grindcore, like, that kind of stuff. Um, do you know anyone? And I was like, do you know what? I just want to get into this heavier side of, like, like the heavier side of music. Like, cause, you know, this this Queen's Stone Age and Nirvana covers shit isn't working for me. Like, So I was like, nah, fuck it, I'll do it. So I said, right, I'll do it. I'll have a go. And he was like, yeah, yeah, send us, um, can you record yourself singing? And I was like, yeah, no worries. So uh, I recorded myself uh, doing uh, Ruin 
by the Lamb of God. Oh, nice. And I sent it over to him. Yeah, it was, I fucking love Lamb of God. And I sent it over to him and, uh, and they were like, yeah, that sounds sick. Like, why don't you come come round for like a, you know, like a live audition? So I goes around and um, it's Gary, my mate, who's playing drums. And it was uh, Sean and Sam, who were the guitarists in Ingested. And they were playing guitar. Um, so I played a couple of songs with them. I think I did Spears of Madness by Decapitated with them. Ooh. And then uh, they were like, yeah, no worries. Right, cool. Like, let's let's do this. So um, so we practiced a few times. And then Gary decided that he didn't want to play drums anymore. So he shaved all his hair off and then decided that he wasn't, he didn't want to be a metalhead anymore and all that kind of shit. So he moved on. And then, uh, so it was just me, Sean and Sam left. And we were like, right, let's uh, let's sort this out. Let's find a bassist. So we found a bassist, um, and then and then we got another drummer called Alistair. And then we were playing for a while, played a few shows, recorded a couple of demos under the name of uh, Age of Suffering. But it was like kind of like uh, it's kind of like a bit old school death metal. Like it was still a bit brutal, like, but it was nothing like what we play now. And, and um, you guys released an EP yeah, as well. And that was it. That's, that's how I started. So basically, I just joined the band that I'm still in now. Like, I never did vocals for any any other band or anything like that. Just been ingested from A1. <laughs> and Age of Suffering, which what you guys were called back then, you also dropped an EP as well, didn't you? Or was that... Was yeah, well... Well, it wasn't an EP. It was more like a demo. It sounded like it was recorded on a phone. <laughs> <laughs> sounded like shit. Like, and um, but it is on YouTube. Like, yes. some people can find it on YouTube. But it was more of a demo. We recorded like I think it was like three or four tracks. I think we called it Human Feed. And um, we, uh, yeah, we just basically what we used to do was we we burn off. Oh shit! I don't even know how many CDs we burnt off. Like, we burnt off like about hundred CDs. And um, every time there was a death metal or grindcore gig in Manchester, like we'd go to it anyway as fans. But then, as soon as like the last band had finished, we'd run to the run to the front door. And as soon as like you know the venues emptying out, everyone who was coming out of the door were like, "Yeah, have this CD, have this CD, <laughs> have this CD." Because we we thought it was mint at the time, but now we look back and we listen to it and we're like, "Oh God, that was shit, that wasn't it." <laughs> <laughs> So with your yeah, with, with your vocals, there clearly wasn't any lessons. So was it all just you? You know, were you doing the cliche in front of the mirror with your hairbrush? I mean, yeah, yeah, of course I was. Sick. Absolutely, I still do that now. <laughs> <laughs> I still do that now in my living room. I was doing it yesterday. I was listening. <laughs> I, was li- I was listening to the to our new album because I was just like, you got you got to suck your own dick every now and again, aren't you? Like, so I was listening <laughs> to our album yesterday, and uh, I think it got about. Got about halfway through the first song, and I was like, right, fuck this. Took my bobble out of my hair, let my hair down. I'm like, stood in front of the mirror in the living room, just going for fucking gold. <laughs> Love that shit, man. I still do that shit now. I'm like a kid whenever whenever I listen to music. And ever have you ever blown your voice out over the years? Yes. Ooh. Many times, many times. Which, actually, like going on from what you said about lessons, um, I actually go to a vocal coach now. Like, I've started going to a vocal coach now. Um, what, like, how long have we been a band? We've been a band, like, 12 years, and now I'm going to a vocal coach. Because literally, like, 
every every tour that we go on, I always fucking come back and I can't speak. Like literally, like I'll try and speak and just no sound comes out. And um, so obviously, like it's just like you just need to. This is the biggest lesson I've learned. You just need to take care of yourself because the thing is, with vocals, your body's the instrument. So it's like if I'm not taking care of myself and taking care of my voice, I'm I'm not only fucking myself and the band over. I'm fucking the fans over. Have you so ever not been like, able to play a show because of it? Yes. Yeah. Um, it was a show in Europe because I literally like I couldn't speak. There was no sound coming out. Oh. And uh, I was in agony. But actually, after that, I uh, found out because I went to the doctors immediately because that, that one shit me up big time. Like I was well scared because I was like, oh, fuck, what if I've done like, permanent damage? Uh, but I found out that I've actually got tonsillitis. Fuck. That, <laughs> yeah, but it comes and goes. Oh. So really, I need, to, I need to go and have them taken out. But it's like, it's what well, it's ta- tonsillitis that like it just comes and goes. So basically, and when I, when I went to the doctors this time, um, he, he took one look at my throat and it was pussing apparently <laughs> it was pus coming out of my tonsils and he said that's one of the worst cases of tonsillitis I've ever seen um, he was like but you can't he was like it's so infected we can't do anything he was like you'd have you like you could so like you can't operate when it's infected um, so yeah he like stuck me on shitloads of antibiotics and stuff but then, since then, the tonsillitis has never come back. But it's like it's just something that, I, that I'm worried about. Do you know what I mean? If it flares up and I'm not warming up correctly, or I'm drinking or smoking too much on tour, like all of those things can affect it. So you just got to be careful. But yeah, like I've, I've blown my voice out many times, and it is not nice. So that's why I go to a vocal coach now. <laughs> <laughs> now, can and I recommend it. Anybody who's listening to it, I definitely recommend it because like he taught me. Taught me stuff that basically I've been doing wrong for like 12 years, Fuck. which is like madness. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm like, how have I been doing this for so long? Like doing it wrong. Like, um, so yeah, like it's, I recommend that. Highly recommend it. Any, any death metal vocalists out there that are listening, get yourself to a vocal coach because they'll teach you some shit that you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> help you wrong your rights or right your wrongs. Yeah. yeah. Now, going back to, as you were saying, you guys were Age of Suffering. Um, and then, was it around 2008-ish or 2009, you suddenly became ingested? Uh, why well, um, Why the change? Sorry, go on. Um, well, basically, it was 2006. Um, we oh. Basically, we then... We weren't getting on with the drummer at the time, uh, like creative and personality differences. Um, so, yeah, so we'd had enough by this point. We were arguing with him. It's like we'd only played about, what, five shows and we're already, like, having arguments. So that weren't working out. So we decided, like, right, okay, we'll bin him off. Like, as I mean, I know that sounds awful to say in that way, but that's that's what happened. Mm. Um and then basically we were playing we played a show uh, with a band called Decapity and there was a certain Mr. Lynn Jeffs behind the drum kit and this guy was doing <laughs> he's playing at about three hundred and fifty BPM and we were like, What the hell is this? Like, who is this guy? And he's like doing hyper blasts, which I had never seen before. 
which basically sound like gravity blasts or look like, like, yeah, they sound like as fast as gravity blasts, but he's blasting normally. Jeez. And I was like, what the hell is that? Like, and um, so we were like, so basically, as soon as that set had finished, we jumped on him and we were just like, yo, look, we, we need a drummer. Like, have a listen to this music, see what you like. And if you like it, like, you know, contact us or whatever. And he did. Um, and he was playing drums for uh, another Manchester band at the time as well called Crepitation. Oh, yes. And uh, yeah, Lynn was drumming for them as well. So we, so yeah, we, we had Lynn. And originally he was supposed to just do uh, the split EP with us. Because at that point, we, we, we decided, like, right, we've got this drummer who can play as fast as we want to play. We need to change everything. Let's scrap all the old songs. Let's change the name, new direction, new focus. This is what we're going to be. Um, so we changed them. We got rid of everything, wrote a load of new songs that that we wanted, that we always wanted to write, but we just didn't have a drummer who could keep the pace. Um, so, and then we did the um, the Northwest Slamfest EP, which was a split <laughs> EP with us, um, Crepitation, and Castrated. And originally, Lynn was only supposed to be... He was basically on loan, we got told, from uh, Crepitation. <laughs> told, us that, told us that he was on loan uh, just for the EP. But then he decided that he wanted to be an ingested, so he left Crepitation and stayed an ingested, <laughs> and then the rest is history. So, and then, And then you guys, the proper debut album, Surpassing the Boundaries of Human Suffering... I mean, one thing you guys love having long album names. It's it's. Yeah. I love it. Like it's not just a simple, you know, exit or death. It's yep, we're going to get as many words as we can. But you release surpassing the boundaries of human suffering, and that was that was different style to what you are now. That was pretty much just yeah, straight up death metal, really. Yeah, it was a it was a game changer that album. Like, I think, anyway, um, the time when it came out, because, I mean, like, most brutal death metal bands and slam bands at the time kind of stayed away from uh, good production, let's say. Yes. <laughs> like, because they don't think it's true. Do you know what I mean? It's not... You had, it, at the time, the mindset was like, oh, if you've got good production, you're a deathcore band and you're a sellout. That's literally what it was like. Um, but we were like, well... If we're gonna write this music, I want you to fucking hear it. I don't want it to sound like it was recorded in a fucking bin bag in a shed. Like <laughs> so, so we went for nice production. Um, obviously, that that got a lot of people's backs up because they were like, eh, "It's deathcore because it's got good production." It's like the production doesn't change the genre of the music; it just means no. that you can hear it better. Um, so yeah, but then after that, so all the flack that we got for the production on that after that. All these other slam bands coming out, come out doing good production. So, I think it's a game changer, man. That's like changed everything. Well, it wasn't just it wasn't just the production on it. I mean, if anyone thought that was deathcore, I think they're fucking high because you look at the artwork. <laughs> you look at the artwork. That's clearly death metal. And then with with song titles like "Skinned and Fucked," and then other songs like <laughs> "Condemned to Rape," it's not a deathcore <laughs> album. It's fucking death metal. <laughs> It's it's just it's straight up brutal. Um, now around that time, what was what was the reception like in England? I know 
uh, a year later you finally got around Europe, but what was it like in England around that time? Were you getting uh, shows? Yeah, yeah, we were getting shows. It was just, um, it was a weird one. It was a weird one because before we brought the album out, um, we had quite a lot of hype around us and everything, um, like with the split EP that we brought out. So we were getting shows off that and stuff like that. And then when we brought the album out, it was, it, it kind of, like I said, it divided opinion. Because, like, because loads of people were saying, oh, it's a sellout album, like, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, other people were saying it's mint. Um, so, yeah, it was weird. It was weird. But we just, um, we just stuck to our guns. We were just like, nah, fuck you. At the end of the day, we make music for us. Mm. Like, we make the music that we want to hear. And if other people like it, then that's that's fucking amazing. Like, and we can't, you know, we can't be more grateful. But the crux of it is, we're making what we want here. So we just stuck to our guns and just cracked on with it. And uh, yeah, but we were, yeah, we were getting good. We were getting good shows um, off it. Like we got the, uh, we finally, like you said, we finally after that album, we finally got out to Europe and did a tour with. Black Dahlia Murder and the Faceless, which was and Carnifex, which was fucking amazing. Uh, and we were we'd never experienced that anymore. So that uh, uh, before that, so we were like, yeah, <laughs> that was a shock in that one. Like, <laughs> now w- w- was it around this time? I mean, because you guys are the only band that I heard at the time that this came out that were calling yourselves Slam Death Metal, which you still do, you still do now. But yeah. was that where did that come from? And I mean, did people go, yeah, fuck yeah, slam death metal, or did people go, these guys have just been a bunch of wankers? I mean, because you guys really, yeah, you've, yeah, it's like, you've created your own genre in a way. <laughs> well, no, slam was a thing before we before uh, before us. Like, I can't fucking claim that slam was <laughs> definitely a thing before us. It was bands like fucking Devourment out there. They were fuck. They're still fucking slam daddies, aren't they? Like, um, and digested flesh and carnivore diphosopus. Like, all like these super super underground, super brutal death metal bands like those. Uh, Abominable putridity as well. They were they were slamming it as well. Um, so yeah, like we didn't we didn't create the genre, but we 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 uh, how, how would you say we embraced the genre? Like that's that's where we started because because for us it's like slam is it's the way it's like so you got a breakdown or a beatdown and then you've got a slam and it's just a different type of breakdown or beatdown. So it's um it's a lot more groovy. Mm. It's adding the groove to the beat down, and then that's what becomes a slam. Um, but like, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't claim, I can't claim that, I can't claim. That. <laughs> I'd be, I'd be strung up from the nearest tree if I tried to claim that we invented slam shit. <laughs> <laughs> now, I've, I've noticed also with that you, um, you guys rep that on your shirts as well, which is pretty sick. Yeah. Like, I mean, you call yourselves the Slam Kings. So you are Hell trying yeah. to claim it. You are trying to claim it in a way. Um, oh, we're not claiming that we created it, but we're claiming the crown. Yeah, take, <laughs> <laughs> take the crown. The crown's yours. Um, yeah. Now you rolled on from that album to I can never pronounce this right. Is it Sorepton? Sorepton. Sorepton. 
Surreption. Okay. Surreption. Now, that album, two interesting things on that were the two guest vocalists for me. Um, now, how obviously you had Matt from Martyr Defiled, and he's a British boy, so he probably was easy to get. Was he easy to get for the album? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we're we're good friends with Martyr Defiled, so because obviously we've with us both being English bands and like touring the UK and stuff, we've done tours together. We've played loads of shows together and stuff. So he was a he was a no brainer. Like we were on the same label as well at the same time, and I'd just done a. Uh, guest vocal for their album as well on uh, I think it was a track called Collusion. Hmm. So yeah, like that was that was a no brainer that we were like yeah let's get Matt on. Um, but how about Alex of Despise? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah, with, with Alex from Despise Icon, uh, we we played a few shows with him. Uh, we got on really well with him, and um, obviously we're huge Despised Icon fans. Like easily, easily, easily. Like if you ask anyone in ingested best deathcore band of all time mm-hmm. despite icon easily because they are quintessentially what deathcore is it's an equal mix of death metal and hardcore music Amen. That, to me that's what deathcore is like that's what it should be anyway um and yeah so he he, he was a fan of us and obviously we love Spiced icon, so yeah, um, we were chatting to him, and uh, yeah, he was like, Yeah, we asked him to do a cat vocal, and he was like, Yeah, no problem. So we got him on the track, The Consequence, and it was amazing. <laughs> Such a sick track! Such a sick track. <laughs> oh, now when, when that album came out, I mean, did it from an outsider's perspective all the way across the world, it felt like the heat or the hype suddenly kind of dissipated a bit. It felt like you guys weren't suddenly heavily touted over here, what we could sense. What was it like? Was that album well-received? No, no, it wasn't. Um, It wasn't at all, which is weird because it's... um, Because, I mean, yeah, it's definitely got more deathcore influences on that album Um, because, because that's what we were listening to at the time. So, like... As a band, it's like you're you're heavily influenced by whatever it is that you're listening to at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean, but the weird the weird thing is, so yeah, it weren't um, it weren't very well received. Um, got got okay reviews, got like you know decent reviews and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was like the the weird thing is the weird thing that I think about that album is. Um, at the time, like loads of people didn't really like it, and then, but now, I get loads of people, like commenting on online and social media and stuff like that, saying that it's an un- it's an underrated album and stuff like that. So it's like weird how how time changes perception of music and stuff like that. Because um, to me, when I listened to it, like the riffs, to be honest, I didn't really like the production on it because we did it. It was really weird. We like recorded everything in different places. Oh. So it was all very jigsawed and like put together. Um, so, and I think you can kind of hear that in the production. Everything doesn't sound um, as organic. As, yeah, cohesive, like as organic as the other albums. Um, but like when I listened to it from like a writing point of view, I don't think that the writing and the riffs are that different from stuff that we've done on the albums after 
No, I think, I it's think just more about the production and stuff. I think, like you said, it felt like a natural progression from surpassing the boundaries. It felt like a natural progression, um, and then, then you guys dropped an EP, which was yeah. strange. Well, not strange, but like you guys are going through a period here where it was kind of every two years was another release, and um, then you dropped the EP, revered by no one, feared by all, and you're back. Yeah. Back doing nothing wrong with the previous artwork, but you're back on the same artwork as surpassing the boundaries. This brutal, full-on death metal-looking artwork. And why an EP? Why not get an album out? Um, well, basically, uh, at the time we weren't we weren't happy at all with the record label that we were on, and um, we felt like we'd kind of been shelved in favor of other bands which to us it's not fair is it do you know what i mean like no that's at the end of the day if you're on a label you're on a label and they should be working for you and with you um but we didn't feel like that was happening especially with the surreption i mean like it wasn't really it wasn't really pushed by, by the label they didn't really like from our point of view, they didn't really give a shit. Um, they had another band on there that were doing well, and um, so they kind of just fucked all the other bands off and just put all the eggs in that basket. And then that basket fucking fucked up, didn't it? So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, yeah, um, I'm not going to name any names because I'm not I'm not a shit talker. So, uh, but yeah, um, so basically, we we were like, right, fuck this. Uh, we've got something to say. And we're going to self-release this EP and every lyric on it is going to be firing fucking bullets <laughs> like, it so, is. in all directions. So like all the fucking lyrics on that album are exactly aimed at the label and the situations around that shit. Like, but I think you can, you can hear that in the, like for me, like I, apart from our new album, that four track EP is the fav- is my most favorite thing that we've ever released. Oh, well. Because it's so raw and visceral and it's real. Like all the lyrics in it are like, it's real shit. Like it's real talk. And um, you can hear the anger and the frustration and the aggression in those four tracks. And it's just, yeah, it's like when I listen to that now, I'm like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> I love that fucking EP, man. But yeah, we self-released that as well. Like we, we funded all that shit. Um, we were just like, yeah, fuck you. We're going to do it ourselves. I remember getting it off Bandcamp. Um, I think it was Bandcamp or iTunes, one of those. And I remember thinking something was wrong because only four songs went on the phone. And I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, but like you said, it you can tell the uh, pissed off attitude was real and um, it comes across. It's fucking, oh. Yeah, sick. If anyone, <laughs> if anyone's listening out there and they haven't heard the EP, revered by no one, feared by all, uh, stop wasting your time. Get it now. <laughs> next one was this was the album that I feel like anyone in Australia really got to know you guys, and it's probably mainly because of the label you're on, and that was the Architect of Extinction. Now you switched over to Century Media, if I believe that's correct. For, for that late uh, album now 
why why only Century Media for one album? Was it a one album deal, or was it just you know it was kind of not really well worked out with the label? Yeah, I mean, like, um, well, we we basically, I mean, like, I might be I might be incorrect here, but I do like this is this is how I remember it, and I think we were on Siege for Media Records at the time, mm. and um, I think Century Media bought Siege of Amida Records or something like that. It was some kind of deal anyway between them. And um, so I think Siege of Amida Records became like a subsidiary label of uh, uh, Century Media. Um, and then Century Media basically took um, a couple of bands from Siege of Amida and put them on the main label. And we were, we were one of those bands, which was, which was good for us. Um, and then, yeah, so then we did the album. Uh, and then at first it was really, really good because we had a really good working relationship with like the people that from Century Media that were dealing with us. They were really great. And then they, those people left Century Media. Uh, um, and then we kind of got left in the dust, like, because there was nobody, I don't think there was really any kind of handover, you know, from like us to another team. Um, or there was, but that team didn't really give a shit about us or whatever. Like, um, so yeah, so basically after that album, we were like, yeah, it was kind of like a mutual thing. We wanted to leave the label and I don't think they really were asked. And that, so. that, did, did that <laughs> so, album, yeah, so we left. did that album launch you guys? Cause it feel, it felt like it did like you, because I mean, you guys toured the U S off the back of that. I mean, it, it, do you think that's probably the defining album career-wise in the history of the band so far? Um, no, I think no. the defining album career-wise is the new one because it's amazing. It's yeah, like it's like without without sucking my own dick. <laughs> um, it's 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 the culmination of over a decade's worth of musical evolution and our personal journey and you know like us as a band it's all culminated in this one record and then this is the one where we've we've really thought that fuck me we've hit the nail on the head with this you know what i mean like this is the one that everything's for us for us musically and everything is just perfect this is exactly how we wanted it to be but it's took us a long time to get there um, so yeah, I'd say that this is the the new the level above humans, the defining album of our career. But the the architect of extinction is the one that really got us um, a push outside of Europe. Because mm. before that, we were we were quite um, secluded into the UK and Europe. That was our touring schedule. We tour the UK, we tour Europe, we play festivals in the UK or Europe. And we never really got out until the Architect of Extinction dropped, and then we got a bit of a attention in America, and then that, and then we got over there. And how how has been? I mean, I know you recently came back from the US. You did Devastation on the Nation. Um, how have the US audiences been to the Manchester Thugs of Slam Death Metal? <laughs> well, uh, well, this is the thing I actually wasn't on. The last American tour, Wait, uh, what? because it was in 11, 
it was an eleven week tour. Um oh. and I've got a I've got I've got a child, so who's oh. getting ready to go to school for the first time. So I was like, nah, I can't do eleven weeks. That's that's a bit too fucking much that like <laughs> just right now. Um but yeah, so they got um they got a couple of fill in vocalists. They got uh, Stephen Mashburn from I Am Destruction to do the first half of the tour, and then they got Jason Keezer from uh, Origin to do the second half of the tour and do Devastation on the Nation for us. But yeah, that's our uh, that would have been our third American tour. Um, like I did the first two, and like the re- the reception that we get over there is phenomenal. But like for like a small little death metal band from Manchester, it's like we go fucking nuts, <laughs> and it's like the other side of the world, and it's just like it's really it's like it's amazing and it's humbling to see something that we've created personally reach that far, like and have that effect on people. Like it's insane, it's so, amazing. So you're saying you got a kid? Congrats, boy or girl? It's a, uh, it's a little girl. So, I mean, is that is that making um, music more um, stressful now? Or, I mean, I mean, how do you approach music now? Because it's a big life life experience having a child, and you know, or getting married, or any of these kind of things. So, does it make you reevaluate and reassess uh, what's essential in a way? Um. Well, not really. I mean, like. Um... Like, obviously, I've got, like, an amazingly supportive family and stuff like that. Like, my girlfriend's amazing. She supports me through it all and everything. Like, she, she's she's the one who, like, keeps telling me to go for it. Um, like, she's she's the mother of my child. So, like, that's amazing to have that kind of support. So, it's just, like, basically, um, with the writing stuff, I kind of, with lyrics, and I, I just, I'm constantly writing lyrics all the time. So, it's, like, because I'll be thinking about it all the time. So, whether I'm sat on the bus or I'm taking my dog for a walk or anything like that. Like if I think of a lyric, I'll just immediately, I've got like a little book and I'll write it in that or I'll write it on my phone and transfer it to the book. So it doesn't affect like the writing process for me personally. Um, But it did like, obviously with this American tour, it did kind of affect whether or not I could do that. Cause like I said, it was an 11 week tour. Mm. That's like a long time. That's like nearly three months. Um, (laughs) So to be away from a child for three months straight is just a bit too much. Um, but yeah, it's just one of them things. It's just that that's the way that the tours felt because it was two two tours back to back in America. It was our headline tour and then Devastation on the Nation like straight away. So it was just it was just one of them just bad timing for me personally. But the boys went out there and smashed it. So because I've been following them on Instagram and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> keeping tabs on them, checking up, like so. Yeah, they they smashed it. Like it's amazing. Now, um, we you mentioned the album before, which came out this year, the level above human. Oh fuck! Like, <laughs> like, like you like you said, it is definitely you know it's over a decade or over a decade's come together. But I think what's really interesting about that album is that you guys have still got the root of your sound there. You've gone a bit more forward thinking um without losing any of your core roots but you've also still had the way to tip your cap to the old school it's a real it's exciting like when i went in to listen to it i didn't really know what to expect and i've got to say it's come out 
Oof, fucking yes is the only thing I've got to say. Um, what was the writing process like? How long did you guys buckle down for it? Um, I think it took about it took about a year and a half, I think, roughly. Um, I mean, the way that we write, usually Sean and Sam all write together, or, or sometimes they write separately, uh, but then usually they'll come together to polish off the songs and structure them and uh, finish them off. And then they'll send that to to Lynn and he'll, he'll like write his drums to it and then send back a demo. Then they send the demo to me and then I'll, I'll write lyrics on top of it. Well, I say I'll write lyrics on top of it. I'll fit. What I do is like, I fit lyrics that I've already wrote because I already know what I want to say. I've just got to piece it over the riffs, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, but yeah, it took about, it took about a year and a half. Um, but to be honest, uh, our guitarist, Sam, he wrote, a lot of the lyrics on this new album. Oh. Like a lot of them. Uh, yeah, because his, 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 lyric, his lyric writing is really, really good. Um, so, yeah, like he's, he's wrote a lot of the lyrics on that. Um, but, yeah, it's just just come it's just come out, and it's, like you said, it's just yes, isn't it? Like, it is. <laughs> it is. It's, it's insane because, I mean, I went into it, having known and loved your back catalogue, I went in expecting, you know, and it's not a, it's not a um, insult. I was coming in expecting just slamming, just constant slamming and came away going, there's a lot more layers to this than I expected. And that's really like, that's a massive bonus. Um, there's still all the slamming, but there's so many extra textures to it. So, um, and how's, how's the reception been? Oh, it's been amazing. It's been amazing. Like all the reviews we've been getting are like really, really good. Um, and like everybody's everybody's comments on it have been really positive. So it's, it's like I said before, it's just humbling. Like it's really amazing. Um, but yeah, it's like you said about the slams and stuff. It's like we could, we could do an album that's just all slams, like you know, like a lot of these slam bands do, but. For me, it's boring. Like if you you can have too much of a good thing. If mm. if it's just slam after slam after slam after slam, then your slam doesn't have any impact. Like so, we like to we like to build into a slam. You got to pick and choose your slams. <laughs> like you got to build it up. You got to build it up to the right moment, and then drop the slam. So when it does come in, it's like a building's been dropped on you. That's the quote, right? So like, that's the quote. That's of the, the way that we look at it. We're not. We're not just a slam band. We we slam, but we're not just a slam band. We're we're evolving slam. We're making it better. That's what we're doing. That's that's our uh, that's our mission statement, anyway. <laughs> yeah, and that and that's the quote I'm taking away from this as well. That one. Um, now, are you ever? Now, this is this is a weird question to ask, but I've noticed some people that when I've um, mentioned slam death metal or you know bands of your styles some people don't take it seriously has anyone ever have have you ever not been taken seriously is what i'm trying to ask um i don't know i mean we don't take ourselves very seriously like on a personal <laughs> level <laughs> but, um, no i mean like we're always i mean like our music is very serious. Like we're not we're not like a we're not like a jokey death metal band or anything like that. You know, like where there's you know, like this funny shit in there. I mean I mean this 
some funny stuff like in the first album, like lyrically and like yeah, there's some funny shit in there. But um but I mean like yeah, we like musically we take ourselves very seriously. Mm. Um because it's that's the whole that's the whole point of it. It's it's intensive, it's aggressive. This isn't funny shit. Like we're not dealing with funny shit here, like <laughs> um but I mean like I mean, nah, um, yeah, we, we usually get taken, like, band-wise, musically, we get taken seriously, but, like, on a personal level, we're all we're all just immature little jokers anyway, so we <laughs> like, if you speak to us on a personal level, like, no, nah, don't take us seriously in anything that we say, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, musically, yeah, we take that shit seriously. Um, I was going to say, what about the English scene, the English local scene? Um England is getting touted, you know, as one of those places now that's having a rebirth of all different genres. And you've been in a band for, you know, a long time now. You're old as fuck, yeah. we're basically saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> as, so have you seen the English scene pick up and become vibrant again? Or in your opinion, has it always been pretty exciting in England? Twice, like that's how long we've been in a band. I've seen it happen twice. We've seen it get. There was a big boom around fucking. What was it about two thousand and six, two thousand and seven? Like, it was a big boom. Yeah, about two thousand and six, two thousand and nine. It was like a big death metal boom, a big slam boom, and then it completely died off. Absolutely died off, and then over the past two years, two or three years like slam death metal and brutal death metals just exploded again. It's like it's like ten year cycles though. It's every it's usually like every decade like what was popular ten years ago will come back. That's what it seems to be like anyway. But but yeah, like the the, the death metal scene in the UK is killing it at the moment. Uh you've got you've got us, you've got Crepitation, Visions of Disfigurement, Primordial Swarm, um Unfathomable Ruination, Osaya, like killing it like fucking shitloads of amazing death metal bands coming out of the uk at the moment and are kids turning up to shows yeah yeah absolutely like yeah yeah um i went to see osaya uh rebellion in manchester a couple of weeks ago and that was great really good show uh the last the last time we the last time we played manchester it was absolutely packed so every show that i go to in manchester has been mint so far for death metal well you guys have had quite a few sold out shows haven't you yeah yeah well that's took us 10 years to get them (laughs) 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 took us 10 years to get sold out shows in the uk but uh yeah it's just but that's what i mean though it's it's those 10 year cycles Mm. so because i mean like when we first started we were we were playing on shows that were obviously we were like really far down the bill but we were playing shows that were packed and then for the seven years or so in between, playing to like 50 people. And then all of a sudden now, a decade later, we're selling out shows. <laughs> <laughs> you are the yeah, kings, those remember? Years, Michael, give it another year. Give it another year. No one will like death metal <laughs> for another six years. Well, and then we'll just have to sit at home for 10 years again. We, we, we did say you were the kings of uh, the slam death metal. So, I mean... Of course, the kings are going to sell out shows. Yeah, um, yeah. It took a, it took a while to get that crown though, and it's yeah. a it's a self appointed crown. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's still a crown, still a crown. Now, 
Um, only a couple more questions and then we'll wrap some wrap things up. But I wanted to ask you about your merch. Um, over the years, you guys have you guys in death metal circles. It feels like you do different things. You got grinders, yes. hot shorts. Um, you do some mock kind of t-shirts. Like you did a t-shirt that was taking the piss out of um, Immortal. Um, <laughs> and and then you even had a you even had a t-shirt that said this duck this dick ain't gonna suck itself. Um, that was, I love that t-shirt. That, well, I never got one, but it was it was very bright. It was yellow and blue, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah. Ha, who comes up with these ideas and do they sell? Like, do you actually sell this shit at, on the at the shows? Yeah, yeah, we sell that shit, man. Like, um, uh, well, we kind of all come up with the ideas. Like, we just just a lot of, like a lot of the shit that we put on on merch. Like, this is this is the point where you kind of see who we are, really. Like, because we <laughs> we don't take shit like that seriously. Like, we do put funny shit on t-shirts because it's funny. Like, mm. it's just fucking funny, isn't it? Like, <laughs> um, yeah, with our with our merch though, it's like we always we always make sure that the way we look at merch is is it fucking cool and would would we personally buy it? Do I want? Would I spend money on that t shirt? Because if 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 we wouldn't, we're not we're never going to put out any old shit. We always put like a shitload of effort and thought into all the merch that we do because if people are spending money on it, it's got to be it's got to be worth that value um because we don't we don't want to just put a fucking logo t-shirt out and then charge someone 20 quid for it because that's that's ridiculous if it's if it's a logo shirt it'll be cheaper if that's what you want it'll be dead cheap um but for like proper t-shirts we want to get like amazing artists to do some gnarly artwork like we've got this is this t-shirt that we sell on our american website it's got this like it's got this like demon or the devil on it and it's amazing. Like it just looks mint, and I'd I'd buy that. Mm. And that's that's the way that we look at merch. Like it's like, would would you buy that? Like, would you really want that shirt? And then we like, if we go, yeah, fucking too right. That's well cool. Then we'll then we'll then we'll print it. But if not, then it's never getting printed. <laughs> I, I I really um, my favorite apart from this dick one um, is the immortal one that you guys have done. It's fucking. Hilarious. Oh, love that. <laughs> and and the fact that you do grinders. Much love, much respect. Gotta help the smoke. Yeah. Um now one one last kind of question um is it's a very simple one really. Now, rest of this year, I know you guys you're touring UK, you've got a few shows announced. Uh what are you playing? And then I also know you're doing a bit of Europe, I think, again with Black Dahlia Murder, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so next week we're playing a couple of UK shows, and we're playing um, Tech Fest as well in Derby, which is big, isn't a it? Good festival. We played it played it uh, last year, I think, and it was it was great. Um, so we've got that next week, and then a couple of weeks after that, we go on a I think it's like five week European tour. And then some of the shows we're playing with Origin, some of them we're playing with uh, Black Dahlia Murder. Uh, we're playing a couple of festivals while we're out there as well. And then halfway through, <laughs> halfway through the European tour, we've got to drive all the way 
from Eastern Europe back to the UK to play Bloodstock Festival <laughs> for one day and then drive all the way back into Europe. <laughs> well, Bloodstock, like, uh, uh, Bloodstock's a festival that we've wanted to play for years. So even though it was like slap bang in the middle of our European tour, we were like, no, we have to play it. Like, it doesn't matter. We'll just drive back. So we're doing that. And then I think in, at the end of September, we're doing a UK and Ireland tour with Crowbar. Ooh. Um, yeah, that's a bit of a weird one. That like I'm excited to see how that how, how that goes down because <laughs> uh, we're very different bands musically. So, so yeah, I'm excited for that. What about um, uh, we we are so far away from you guys? But what about Australia? Has anyone ever offered you to come down to Australia? Has has it ever? We've had offers, but not like not like not like cast iron set in stone offers mm. like um, but. We are working on hopefully getting over to Australia next year. Hopefully, like we're we're really working on it because we've played America. Like, well, we've done four tours in America now. We've toured Europe to death. Um, so yeah, we really want to get over to your side of the pond, really. Well, um, um, but yeah, well, we are working on it anyway. But I think it'll be you probably we're probably going to be looking at next year now. Well, of uh, me and the wife have a big uh, big house, plenty of room for a bunch of Manchester boys to crash at when you guys hit Queensland. So you're always welcome. Uh, plenty of room. Hey, that's amazing. As long as you uh, as long as you've got a crate of beers with with yours, mate. <laughs> uh, mate, plenty, 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 plenty. Um, so the last thing I do whenever we do the mosh zone is I call it pick your poison. So what it is, is imagine you've got these two choices and you have to pick one for the rest of your life. Okay. Some are going to be easy. Some are going to just fuck with your head. So we'll start off with probably an easy one. Pizza or burger? Pizza. Oh, straight off. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Beer or whiskey? Beer. Mayo or brown sauce? Mayo. Bap or butty? Go with the chicken, won't it? (laughs) Bap or butty? Butty. Yay. Cinema (laughs) or couch? Couch. Beach or snow? Beach. Skateboard or rollerblade? Rollerblades. Hey, <laughs> old school. Um, PS4 or Xbox? PS4 all day, yeah. all day. Cat or dog? Dog. All right, now we're going to probably get into a bit harder ones here. Terminator or Predator? <gasps> oh. oh, Terminator. Ooh, okay. Freddy or Jason? Freddy. Sly or Arnie? Arnie, Arnie. <laughs> MacGyver or Walker, Texas Ranger? Walker, Texas Ranger. <laughs> Undertaker or Kane? <gasps> oh! I know you're I'm a massive dude. wrestling fan. I know. So, oh, fuck. Undertaker. All right, the next few. No, no, Undertaker, Undertaker. All right, the next few are all wrestling ones, so this might be a bit hard. All right, Triple H or HBK? Triple H. Okay. Benoit or Eddie Guerrero? Eddie Guerrero. Oh, well, mm, 
Because, like, oh. No, Eddie Guerrero. Definitely Eddie Guerrero. That was amazing. Benoit was amazing, but obviously a bit grim. Yeah, yeah <laughs> slightly. Um, Randy Savage or Mr. Perfect? Mr. Perfect, just because of his um, his promo videos where he did everything in one shot. Yeah. Last one of the wrestling ones, and then we go to the music ones. Rollins or Reigns? Rollins. Fuck yeah. Roman Reigns. <laughs> now, Slayer or Pantera? Pantera. Cannibal Corpse or Black Dahlia? Ooh, fucking hell. Um, Black Dahlia. Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Sabbath or Van Halen? Sabbath. Okay, last few coming up. Football or rugby? Football. Are you a City or United fan? United. Oh, okay, I'll let that slide. Yeah, I'll let that slide. Mosh, mosh pit or up the back enjoying the view? Uh, if you'd have asked me this... Ten years ago, I just said mosh pit, but now, at the back. <laughs> yeah, on the at same. the back, enjoying the view with a bear. <laughs> All right, last two coming up. Touring or recording? Touring. And the last one, CD, vinyl, or downloading? Oh, CD, just because I like, I love having the artwork and the little booklet and everything. Yeah, I've always been more of a CD guy than a vinyl guy. Uh, Jason, thank you. That is our chat. All right. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Thank you. I've had, I've had, I've had good fun. <laughs> so that was my talk with Jason of Ingested. Thank you so much, dude, for taking time out for the Mosh Zone. Really, really appreciate it. Without a doubt, probably my favorite chat I've done. And I've done some really good ones. So that says it in itself. Really good insight into him and the band. And really, really, really appreciate you taking time out for the show, Jason. Sick. Thank you, you absolute legend. Now, of course, if you haven't heard Ingested and you've heard us talk about those albums, get the fuck online. Get onto iTunes, Spotify, Bandcamp, all of those avenues and make sure you start getting into that band's tunes. Hopefully, we'll see them down in Australia very, very soon. So that is The Mosh Zone, episode 25, done for this week. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a first-time listener, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you had a good time, and I hope you come back for more episodes. If you're a frequent listener, thank you for coming back again. Thank you for listening to me ramble on and carry on. I hope you had a good time, as always. Now, don't forget this week, if you've got a free moment or two, and a little bit of time up your sleeve. Help us out. Help us spread the word about the Mosh Zone. Share the podcast on your Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. We are forever thankful for any of the help we can get from you guys. We're always very, very thankful for you sharing it. Helps us get out to more people and helps us grow the Mosh Zone community. Also, don't forget, if you're on iTunes or Spotify, make sure... You give us a rating and a review. That really helps us as well. And also, don't forget to subscribe or like on iTunes and Spotify. That way, you get every episode 
constantly on your device. Also, we got to say, as always, don't forget to like and follow us on social medias. That is Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at The Mosh Zone. Also, don't forget to subscribe and visit our website, which is www.themoshzone.com. Don't forget, keep up to date when we update you. So thank you again. Have a safe week. Open the purge.